0: Hello and welcome to Living in a Time of Dying, the podcast about living in a time of global pandemic, social upheaval and injustice, climate catastrophe, and mass extinction. This podcast is a companion to the eponymous book, Living in a Time of Dying, Cries of Grief, Rage, Love, and Hope, co-authored by myself and Taoist mystic, Toltec I Ching master, wisdom teacher, and my dear friend. William Douglas Horton. I'm your host, Megan Elizabeth Tauke, a writer, philosopher, soul mentor, perpetual student, and mother of possums. In this podcast, I and my guests will engage with a selection of chapters from the book to explore the questions, the conundrums, paradox, and fractal edges of this thing called living. This is an invitation to commune and feel together the weight of these times, With all the grief, rage, love, and hope that it arouses within us, so that together we may dream a new world into being. Hello and welcome back, dear listeners. I am here today with my friend Ian Tapscott to discuss the chapter that hopefully you just heard in the previous episode titled. The Waterslide. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. It's so good to have you here.
1: Thanks, Megan. It's good to be here.
0: So um, I like to often invite my guests to uh, introduce themselves in whatever way you want our listeners to know you, whether that's like pronouns, uh, where you're currently located, uh, land acknowledgement, your various identities or what work you do, like whatever you're feeling in this moment
1: yeah thanks Um, yeah my name's Ian I use he him pronouns I live in western Massachusetts and uh, it's almost hot and sticky summertime I'm enjoying the last vestiges of low humidity cool air and uh, yeah I think that's that's good for now
0: That is good for now. Again, it's really great to have you here. Um, And I have you here because we actually had, I'm just going to throw this in here. We had an epic conversation like almost a year ago. Um, We went to see the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, which listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor. It's the best. Um, And predictably, we were like our heads, the tops of our heads were blown apart and like we were seeing you know the matrix and reality in different ways than we usually see it as we walk through our you know lives in these flesh encapsulated uh bodies of us of ours um and we had this amazing conversation after that and it and it we were talking about some of the stuff that's in the water slide um so it's really good to to finally kind of get you on the podcast and try to maybe recreate a little bit of that conversation um for our listeners but also just to you know see where this goes. Um yes. So to me this chapter uh, is really about kind of the experience of not having control, right? Of of living with or inside of something that cannot be stopped. Obviously in the in the chapter it's the allegory of my experience of going down this water slide. <laughs> um and as I was writing the chapter, you know, I think I was pulling a lot from my experience having uh, anxiety disorder and panic attacks when I was growing up and this experience of like whatever the circumstance was and sometimes there was it was just all inside of me but this this sense that i had to escape like there was something that i had wanted to get away from that on a visceral level and i couldn't and that's where the panic comes in and so this you know this is part of kind of the theme i think that we're going to be talking about is this experience of resistance to what is mm. and how the resistance to what is creates a certain level of suffering. It's like yeah. there is suffering that we experience just by living in bodies, right? By being <laughs> alive in the world. And some of it is, you know, surplus suffering that doesn't and shouldn't um have to uh, occur. And some of it is is inescapable. Um but regardless, um I think one of the things that this chapter you know really talks about and is really asking us to think about is how our response to those circumstances be they uh you know injustices or just you know like social injustices or the injustice of death for example or an mm. illness mm. um how we respond to those and and how we can find a sense of freedom a sense of choice a sense of spaciousness um and maybe even, you know, as I say in the last uh, uh, sentence of, of the chapter, maybe even joy in our in, in as we move through our lives, regardless of the circumstances. So, yeah. So I've experienced water slides in my life, definitely through my experience of anxiety and panic. Um, you know, I also uh, have lived with a long term chronic uh, autoimmune disease for twenty years now. That really, you know, I'm pretty functional now, but in my twenties, it it very, I was, uh, it's, it changed my life, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And then of course, I think a big one, of course, is like the loss of a loved one or coming up against whether that's, you know, a human person or a a, a beloved pet, or sometimes a a marriage or a job or a relationship or some relationship to some part of our, our lives or identities, right? That can really be, feel like this like like suddenly I'm just like f- falling in nothingness and I don't know where the ground is and I don't know who I am and I don't know which way is up, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I would also say that, you know, I think the water slides that I'm really experiencing now on a sort of a more broader scale, um, a less sort of like my own personal life scale, but a broader scale are the collective ones too. You know, like um, certainly you know, the collective social movements can be experienced as, as these sort of like loss of identity, like whether it's, um, you know, like, I I think I definitely felt that during the, uh, last presidency, I still feel that way. Um, you know, there's a certain uh, extremist fascism that is rising in this country and across the world yeah. um, that's really scary um, yeah. and, and can feel overwhelming. Um, and then there's also just like the quotidian like grind of living under racial capitalism and this sort of like, co- like, I'm like, why do we still believe in money? Like that's yeah. honestly money is a water slide for me. I'm like, why is this a thing? Why do I, why do, why do I and all of the people that I love have to work to pay for things in order to survive? Yeah. It's asinine. Um, And then of course, global warming and climate collapse. And the fact that like a week ago there was smoke. Um, So those are just some examples of the ways that I experience this, this allegory of, of the water slide. and, you know, I'm constantly weighing, like, it feels like everyday work for me right now to weigh how I live in this world, the way that it is with, with smoke, with climate collapse, with fascism and injustice and money and, and death. Um, how do I respond to that? It's like a question that I think I live with personally in every every moment it's like every day i wake up asking myself that question and i think that's kind of what the the chapter is saying like we have to kind of every day constantly be asking ourselves be like calibrating ourselves to um to how to live in this world and i you know i'll i'll get to this question later i want to kind of hear what your thoughts are but also like how we find balance between you know freedom person you know the experience of of freedom versus like the sense of uh responsibility and urgency given the world that we're living in okay yeah. that's a whole lot of thoughts yeah
1: good thoughts <laughs> thank you for them
0: what yeah thank you uh what are what are some of your thoughts ian
1: yeah thanks um and thanks for that um all your thoughts it definitely gets the the juices flowing um so I guess for for context, and maybe I could have, maybe I could have said this in my introduction. I am uh, I'm in early recovery from alcoholism, um, and a lot of the stuff that comes up in this chapter, a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned, is stuff that I am thinking about all the time, uh, thinking about and trying to figure out how to put into action um, as a as a means of being able to exist at all (laughs) Mm. Um, without, without losing it Mm -hmm. or without becoming destructive. Um, You know, so a few of the things you said, I really relate to um, anxiety and panic. Definitely. um, This sort of like, this, it's a, it's an intense visceral reaction to all that I, my body and my, and my, my soul or what I think is my soul, um, experiences as everything that's wrong. Mm. (laughs) Um, and my, my bodily and my nervous system response to that is quick. I have to fix it. Or, you know, which I think is akin to what you said, or, or escape, right? Yeah. Um,
0: it's a, it's a, it's a, I cannot accept what is happening right now. I
1: cannot, cannot accept abide. This. it. It is, it is overwhelming. And, you know, uh, sometimes it's overwhelming and sometimes it's not. And, and that's def that's its own waterslide. <laughs> um. So the anxiety you know, we have that in common for sure. When I was younger, when I was much, much younger, it manifested different. It manifested as depression and it does sometimes still, but, um, you know, there, you know, I just, I want to, I want to get into the, there was one paragraph and I just, I read it and I was just like, Oh, that's so what this part of this is. Um, in our struggle, this is on you know, it's, it's, it's after the story of the waterslide, and it's sort of in reflection, and it says, in our struggle to get away from this reality, from the simple, inescapable totality of what is, we often end up carelessly abandoning ourselves, furiously repressing or contemptuously turning away from our own sensitive heart stricken with terror, grief, and rage as we rail against our own impotence in the face of untenable circumstances. To me, that's addiction. Mm. um to me that was and i didn't i don't think i knew it in the when i was up in it when i was Mm -hmm. active but that's what you know that was the fuel behind my behind my drinking was i didn't know how to accept what is Mm. and i and and now i you know in early recovery i'm really just learning how i'm learning how to maybe even start to do that (laughs) um so And, and I think, you know, for, for myself and I think you and I have this in common to an extent, um, there is this, there's this ever present question of like, I know I can't escape. Is it irresponsible for me to, is it irresponsible for me to ignore? Or is it, oh, is, am I allowed to feel joy Hmm. um, if and when that's appropriate? I come, I come from a place of immense privilege. And so there's a lot of, you know, guilt is something I deal with all the time, all day, every day. And sometimes, you know, more so in the past, but even just feeling joy at all, is like, am I allowed to do this because of the state of things and my relative? blissfulness um in a material sense at least existential blissfulness is something that i do not have experience with Um, yet (laughs) yet maybe yet (laughs) um yeah yeah oh go ahead
0: are you sure i want you to finish your thought
1: i think okay yeah so the one the one other thing is that this um you know, this sort of idea that you brought up that it is an everyday and it's constant. Um, this is not a decision or a, I can't just accept how the world is and then, and then I'm done. <laughs> and then Great. off we go and, I cr- and I'm coasting for the rest of it. Um, it's constant. It's, every, it's all day, every day. Um, and for someone like me, it has to be. Mm. Be, because the the consequences of if I'm not striving to accept and striving to figure out, you know, in, in the fellowship I'm a part of, how to live life on life's terms, which is how to accept what is in recognition of my powerlessness. Um, if I'm not striving to learn how to do that better and better, mm. I'll 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 lose it. You know, and and I'll either spiral into some sort of crazy depression, or I'll start acting out in ways that are destructive to myself and others. Um, mm. You know, for me, that that probably means drinking. Um, mm-hmm. And so the so the notion of like, how do I accept it's it's a question, but it's not an ex, it's not just an existential question. It's a it's a survival question.
0: Mm yeah you know um thank you for all of that and for your um you know willingness to to be honest and vulnerable about you know your life experience um here um so much of what you're talking about to me i'm i i'm like a heavy capricorn so i really like the term integrity um and to me uh, integrity like I think a lot of people think of the word integrity as meaning like uh, i i i i act a certain way like I behave in a proper manner and that's not that's not particularly what I mean in the way that most people think of it when I use the term integrity i'm I'm more speaking about like a deep alignment with 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 my soul with yeah. myself with whatever word you want with like with the divine with this like whatever connects like yeah the the like the vehicle of my life is here to do mm, God's work, if I may use that term. Like there is a divine um um reason that I'm here. Yeah. And and so integrity is about aligning with that. And it's also about um respecting the whole person that is me. And so as I move through my life, um a big part of my work is about uh, staying, like practicing that alignment with my own integrity and respecting my own integrity, and then uh, respecting the integrity of the beings with whom I share this world. Um, I think that from that from that place, like from that place of alignment in my own integrity, there is actually great freedom of choice. Um, and, and responsibility, like literally the ability to respond to any moment to, uh, the struggles that we experience in life, you know, large and small, like personal in the moment, quotidian, whatever you want to put it. And also like the collective challenges that we are facing in this moment as a species. Mm. Um, you know, that the quote that you pulled out, which I love, and I think, I thank you so much for bringing that out because I actually think that that is like literally just the most important line in this entire chapter. And it's that word abandonment. It's that idea that, you know, as you were speaking about, we um, when we try to escape what is when we try to escape our own bodies, our own life, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, however, whatever mechanisms we use for that escape, we are abandoning ourselves. We are turning our backs on, on that, uh, that midline, that core of integrity that is, that is us, that is us in our wholeness. And that is us in the wholeness of the moment, whatever that moment brings, whether that is like extreme grief for the loss of a relationship or a loved one, or extreme grief for uh, the what is happening to the climate in this in this moment, or whether it's intense fear, we are we're kind of leaving ourselves behind. And when we leave ourselves behind, we are not like we don't then have the freedom of choice in our actions. We don't have we're not able to act as responsibly. We are acting reactively when we're not kind of grounded in that, in that core of integrity. Um, and it's, and like you said, it's a practice.
1: It's interesting. Cause I could just, pre- I could just like start talking about the, the, a lot of the rhetoric and language in, in the 12 step fellowship I'm a part of. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to like lean on that too heavy. Um, but it is all just like so pertinent um, and so related i think i mean i think what it comes down to and and this is what it comes down to for me in my recovery and just like learning about life because i about all the things i didn't learn about because i was numbing myself um that fear is (laughs) the mind killer <laughs> I mean, it really is. <laughs> um, yeah, it it really actually is, and and it's and it's a it's um some folks say that it's a evil corroding thread, you know, and um and I know from a lot of the work that I've done that fear has run my fear has been the fuel that has driven me for for a very very long time, for as long as I can remember, and hmm. I think probably longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I have I'm I'm Jewish and mm. I have some I I'm pretty sure intergenerational stuff is uh that's a thing. I I like I feel it mm-hmm. and and I also read about it. <laughs> um
0: Yeah, I mean fear, I think fear has a it has a function, right? Um, I, I wouldn't, I would, I personally would shy away. I don't generally like to use the word evil. I think it, mm. pa- it generally paints too broad of a brush and it's mm. a little bit, it's a little bit too easy. Um, and you know, biologically fear has, has done us a favor. Like we exist because we got scared of things. Otherwise it would have been a very short story for humanity. Um, but you're right that it is the mind killer, right? Like it literally, it shuts off our our frontal cortex. Yeah. It like it 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 mobilizes all of our resources to our our muscles and our circulatory system so that we can like fight or flee. Um, and if we can't fight or flee, or if we try to fight or flee and like those don't work for us, then we freeze. And I think in a lot of ways, particularly when we are living with um, you know, long-term, complex transgenerational trauma, and also living in a world where, for example, you have to like work for money in order to survive yeah. that that freeze mechanism becomes chronic, and yeah. you know what I'm saying and <laughs> <I> so <do. laughs> yeah, so things like things like addiction are a a means of freezing. It's a means of like literally numbing. Um because in the moment of of fear, that's the only uh or of like I'll say chronic fear, that's the only um recourse that we have or that we feel that we have. Um so I wanna bring in this word. (laughs) (laughs) And the word is acceptance or surrender. (laughs) And I know I'm like hesitant, but it's in it's in the chapter, so you know, like we gotta go there, right? Because yeah because i think for a lot of people those can be dirty words you know this concept of acceptance and it's a big uh you know the serenity prayer like it's the yeah. first thing like grant me yep. the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage yep. to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference Yeah. and then we also have that i'm going to invite into the space the uh famous angela davis quote which is um I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change, I'm gonna change the things that I cannot accept. Mm. And so, you know, I've been thinking about acceptance for a long time now. Um, and I've heard, you know, criticisms of acceptance as uh, like, a, like a doorway to, to bypassing, you yeah. know, a doorway to, to ignoring what is happening and not actually taking steps to make positive change. Um, yeah and and that's that's real, like that definitely happens, and so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what I mean yeah. when I say it. So like, I just have to define my terms here, and I want to <laughs> <laughs> um so I want to kind of go back a little bit to uh when I was in healing school ages ago, fifteen plus years ago, there was this um kind of format or or um uh paradigm that we used or that was taught to me rather, that was sort of this like five-fold paradigm in which acceptance is kind of the crux. So the first two, let's say, stages of experience, let's say, when you're dealing with a struggle, a challenge, uh, maybe this is like um, ingrained, you know, psychosomatic emotional patterns. Um, that's mainly what we were talking about in healing school, but it could it could be uh, applied in different areas. So the first two things that you, the first two stages are awareness and acknowledgement. So it's like, okay, suddenly I have an awareness of this pattern or of this, let's say, systemic social structure. Like, oh, uh, white supremacy is a thing, for example. And then the second part is acknowledgement. Wow, like I'm doing some, like either it's like, I'm really taking stock of what it means to have this like pattern maybe it's addiction or I'm really taking stock of what it what it means to um, like maybe I'm researching the history of racism and white supremacy I'm really thinking about what it means to be in a white body in a white supremacist world etc um, and the thing is is that you can kind of get stuck in this like st- maybe not exactly cyclical, like maybe spiralic, but kind of a merry-go-round of awareness and acknowledgement of like, I become aware of this thing, I work on learning about it and acknowledging it in myself. And then that leads me to this new awareness that I then work on to acknowledge and learn about. And then you're just, you know, like, it can kind of go nowhere. You know, like, this is this is one of the criticisms, since I'm using the, the, uh, the, the example of like whiteness and and white supremacy this is one of the criticisms in the you know post george floyd uh uprising of like white white people who suddenly became aware of like white supremacy and racism and police brutality and like read a bunch of books but it hasn't uh, uh actualized into any like movement building or relationship building or change right yeah. so you can get stuck in that just like awareness acknowledgement loop yeah Then comes the third stage, which is acceptance. And acceptance is not the same as resignation, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But from this place of acceptance, and this is why, you know, acceptance to me in this in this framework is a is a door. It's a doorway, like I talk about in the water slide. It's like a doorway into that space of integrity. It's like, oh, I'm I'm not abandoning myself anymore. I'm actually. Facing the struggle, I'm facing the challenge, internal or external, usually both. Um, I'm not running for it from it anymore, and I'm not running from myself in relationship to it anymore. It's like we're. It's like here we are. That is what acceptance is. And my experience of acceptance in this framework is that it opens up like a sense of spaciousness within me. It it literally like slows, it can slow down time, right? Because again, when we're in fear or reactivity and that frontal cortex shuts off, like I was just talking about, time speeds up and it's like, you you gotta make, like there's a sense of urgency and a sense of scarcity that happens and a contraction that happens. And what acceptance does is it like slows things down widens things out and suddenly there's not a scarcity of resource but there's like an abundance of resource um whether that resource is like time to consider and and sometimes like in actual in actual like clock time it can still be within seconds but our experience of it if we have that orientation of alignment with ourselves can actually feel more spacious and so in that space of internal resource, we are able to, steps four and five, take make different choices and take different actions. And so it's that doorway of acceptance that gets us from that, it gets us off the merry-go-round of yeah. awareness and acknowledgement and into actually creating changes in our life, changes in our relationships, and changes in the world. Yeah. So just to put a finer point on it, you know, to me, acceptance is facing and being with being present to what is. And and from that place, we are more able to then respond to what is, you know, we are literally more response able. And that's actually where our freedom comes from, right? Like that's where we have um, choice for how to respond and how to do things differently. So Che and I often speak about this uh, as the one inch, which is a reference to the movie V for Vendetta. Um, This like spacious, which we, we talked about, I think, in a previous episode. So if, if listeners have been following us, this might sound familiar, but it's like this, it's, it's this one inch where, like I said, like there's actually infinite spaciousness within this quote unquote one inch. And that one inch is actually the, it's like, It's our integrity. It's the wholeness. It's the core that is us. Mm. The other thing I wanted to bring up, going back to everything everywhere all at once, is that, like, yeah, like, I feel like this is what, um, oh, and I'm gonna, I'm really terrible. Like, I do not. Che Broadnax is the, the like brilliant mind movie person who remembers every movie, like, frame to frame and quote to quote. I don't have that. Um, So I don't remember characters' names, but Michelle Yeoh's uh, character, um you like that's kind of where she went she was like oh she's been in this resistance against you know her in her relationship with her daughter and in her relationship with her husband and in relationship to their business and through this experience of all of that kind of falling apart right waterslide, she like it's like the what is shattered and all this space opened up for her in how she was able to respond
1: And it makes me think of there's a, and it may not, I may not be able to quote it directly, but her daughter's character set, you know, her daughter says, you know, it's exhausting because there's only these tiny little blips of moments where any of this makes any sense. Mm. And the, just the grief that when the kid, when her character says that is just so palpable and Michelle Yeoh's response, character's response to it is, "Then I will cherish those moments with everything I have," and that is like what I mean, and that's that inch is is those those blips, that spaciousness, and that's when I read your chapter. That's the you know the very fleeting moments that you had on the waterslide where you found the door to the others just breathe and it happened a couple times and it was not the majority of the experience but it was in there um cool. and the tether to that i feel like the tether to the acceptance the tether to that like staying tethered to the spaciousness is what allows us or it's what allows me to keep to keep going when everything's chaotic um and, and I'm full of resistance is because I know, or I'm building the ability to have faith
0: mm-hmm. that
1: there, it does make sense. And I just don't see it every oh. moment. Um, and I have had experiences in, in very difficult times of, you know, um, grief, from, as you mentioned before, the loss of a pet, you know, that was a very, very powerful experience for me when I had to say goodbye to a a dog of mine a couple summers ago. Um, And also in periods of panic. Um, Interestingly enough, because panic is like induced by resistance, but then sometimes I'm like, oh, sometimes it brings me out the other side and and I can be like, wow, this is this is it. This is what is right now. Um, and being, being present and like seeking out that spaciousness does, it does, it it just allows me to keep riding the wave, um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to getting sucked down by the undercurrent. Um, and that's, that's to me, I'm like, what, what else could I do here in my time here in this I think uh, flesh prison. I think that's what you were looking for in, in <laughs> this
0: life. Yeah. There are many, many ways of referring to it. Yeah. I mean, you talk about seeking out the spaciousness. And the thing that I want to kind of offer is that the spaciousness is actually always right here.
1: It's always here. Yeah.
0: It's always here. And we f- we forget it. Like we, uh, we become, um, Kind of enamored <laughs> and, and and deluded in a certain sense by like you know I've talked about this on the podcast before like our edges let's say um, and yeah. the separations between us and the separations yeah. between you know us and the you know quote unquote divine however you want to think about it but it's yeah. actually all here all the time and I have so many things happening in my mind right now I mean the piece about grief. And faith. I feel like I, I sit with that all the time and. gonna you know, see if I can put this into words. Um, like trusting. And I think I write this in the chapter, like trusting that there is something happening that is, that is bigger than us. Yeah. And, and then at the same time. And in that, like that allows me to relax a little bit because like, okay, I can trust that somewhere it makes sense. Like, just like you just said. And then at the same time, it is never, you know, there are sufferings that happen. Our pets die. It happens. Our loved ones die. We die. Things change. Um, We get sick. We get injured. Like these things happen. But all of the surplus sufferings like it's natural to feel grief when you lose someone you love there's like the the sort of like no less uh devastating but normal grief of facing those inevitable sufferings right and then there's all this fucking surplus suffering as it is often called you know the pain and the violence that does not need to be happening but it's happening uh it's happening because of of power and it's happening because of uh greed and capitalism and patriarchy and homophobia and transphobia and or or transmesia i don't know if you've heard this term homomesia I it's not it's not a phobia it's actually a hatred right
1: yeah yeah okay
0: um this this un, this 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 non acceptance this lack of acceptance
1: yeah
0: for people who exist right and for beings who exist and and the grief of that carrying that every day you know earlier you were saying um you were talking about just the guilt of kind of existing and the privileges that you have and um and feeling like you know do you deserve joy you know to experience joy and there's you know, when I, when I hear you or anyone, including myself, say things like that, there is an intense grief that comes up in me. Yeah. Because it's like, of course we all deserve to feel joy. Right. We deserve so many things. And it is only the the violence of the, the world that has been created for us, that we've been born into, and that makes us responsible to and for it but at the same time we're like we didn't choose it right a lot of, like yeah. we didn't choose it we were born in and it's like living in relationship to to the world as it is to the system as it is with the amount of violence and suffering that it wantonly creates that does not need to exist we can't just go about our lives enjoy and in like it it confuses it can to live in this world as it is with its with its violence it confuses that sense of um integrity that sense of wholeness Mm -hmm. because like um you know in that excellent uh series the good place which spoiler alert (laughs) uh Everyone goes Everyone goes to the bad place because it's so hard to live in this world without causing harm the way that the world is now.
1: Well, I was thinking about the Angela Davis quote mm-hmm. and thinking about how to wrap my head around not accepting, um, changing the things I cannot accept. Yeah um and to me I mean in for me I have to have a realistic assessment of what I can actually change um what how much influence I actually have and a realistic assessment that And I think this goes back to your merry-go-round of steps one and two of awareness and acknowledgement, a realistic reflection on believing certain things and having certain values and disapproving of how other people are acting or things that are happening, isn't having any influence over anything. (laughs) It's all happening in my head. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, judgment we get. I get into this place where I can be. Oh, I, if I judge someone or judge uh, an event, I think that by having that judgment, I am fighting the good fight. Mm. Um, but that is not the case, that's a delusion, yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I. To, to realistically be able to change the things i cannot accept i mean I, I don't know i don't know if i can change white supremacy in its entirety um i wish right <laughs> um but i can change how i enact white supremacy in in my in my day to day and mm-hmm. change how i well how i act in an effort to not enact white supremacy or mm-hmm. i can change how i have a relationship to um to the money that i have access to um or the you know the land that i have at my home that i own um mm-hmm. and um change my 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 attitude and my decisions and my actions um is mm-hmm. what well. i do have power to change And I have to—and then I have to believe somehow, I have to have some level of faith that doing that is one end of the same of doing this larger social dismantling work, not to also not engage directly. Um, There's, for me, and— Maybe it's, this is a white person thing, or maybe it's a, a white man thing, or maybe it's a Western thing. like e- ego is just so ego is so much at play here, and for me to be like, "I'm going to change the world or I'm going to save the world," um I need to I need to become right sized. Uh, mm. I need to acknowledge um there's so little influence I actually have, but I do have influence and, mm-hmm. and I have to have a realistic acceptance of the extent to which I do have influence and um, what that starts with is my is my actions, my decisions and my actions, which mm-hmm. in your paradigm is step four and five, which is on the other side of the door through acceptance. Right. I can't I can't just will in my brain things to be different than they are. It doesn't right. work. Right. And I will drive myself insane trying to do so.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think, I mean, this is, this is like a much larger conversation that I would love to have at some other time, and maybe on a different episode of the podcast. But it's something I think about a lot. Uh, I think about whiteness a lot, which is why I brought it up as as an example. But like, I think that there is a, a you know, for example, there is, there is pl- a place for like Becoming aware of, for example, white supremacy, learning about it, history, learning about how it functions, how, you know, how it enacts itself through us. And then there is this place of like really sitting with white supremacy and whiteness and, and anti-blackness as the other side of what like as part yeah. of white supremacy and really um, being like, okay, like this is what is right now. Like this is in my body it's in my nervous system, regardless of what race I am, right? Like it's in my body, it's in my, my nervous system. This is the world that we live in. And, and sitting with that and being able to feel whatever comes up, you know, for me, it's a lot of grief. It's a lot of rage.
1: Yeah. Those are the two.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those are the two. Um, but they're also, you know, for some people there might, it might there might be a a sense of like, wow, that makes me feel good. Like, uh, you know, it makes me feel powerful and have being powerful, like whatever comes up or guilt, like all of that stuff, like actually like sitting with that and facing with that, I I think, and, and sitting with it in ourselves so that we can sit with it in other people with whatever comes up in other people as we are sitting with this. Right. Uh, It creates opportunities, I think, for other choices to be made and change to happen rather than, um, a kind of blind resistance, and so I think you know we're coming to this place in the conversation, and we're we're running out of time too, like where like the other side of acceptance is resistance, and you know growing up as like a social justice activist, like resistance is like yeah i'm like I'm like an anarchist, I'm like against things, right, so like yeah, we're here to resist, and um and as I'm like growing older, <laughs> I'm realizing like maybe there are other ways of resisting, like as I was um preparing for this podcast and and rereading the chapter, I was thinking about Aikido, which is a martial art, right? It's like a form of fighting, but it's an ancient one at that. An ancient and very effective uh, martial art that is, that is about like moving like water, right? It's about taking um, your opponent's power that they are using against you and moving with it in such a way that it, it can't actually, touch or harm you anyway. And I was thinking about the difference between stone and water and the way that those um those are like different ways of of moving in relation to something and that acceptance is more like moving like water versus resistance is moving like stone. Anyway, we're gonna have to end this conversation. I could talk to you for hours, Ian, and I look forward to doing so um on our own time. Agreed. But thank you so much for joining me in this in this conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us in this episode of the Living in a Time of Dying podcast. If you are moved by the material discussed here, you can read or listen to more in the eponymous book, Living in a Time of Dying, Cries of Grief, Rage, Love and Hope. Coming soon, both in print and audio, from booksellers everywhere. And if you want to hear more, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts in order to be updated when new episodes drop. You can also find out more about my work at soulmentor.org. Until next time, remember, you are an enfoldment of the universe, showing care to itself. Everything is God. Live well. Die easy. In Love and Rage, I'm your host, Megan Elizabeth Tauk. Take care and be well.